You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Good morning, Kensington. How are we doing today? Come on. Turn to your neighbor and tell someone hello. Go ahead and stand to your feet, if you will, and help us sing this one out, all right? All right. When fear is coming, still you're calling me. When faith is lost, my hope exhausted, you will be my strength. Cause when my mind says I'm not good enough, God, you're enough for me.
Hey, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Fantastic. You all can have a seat. I want to welcome all of you here who are in person. For those of you who are joining us via stream, wherever you are, grateful that you are with us at the Troy campus today. And I'm excited. That song is really perfect for where we're headed today, especially that one line where it says, God, you're never, ever going to give up on me. And I feel like for so many of us, we've experienced exactly that in our lives, that that is who God is. He will never, ever give up. He never stops pursuing. He never, ever stops coming. And that's what we're looking at in the series that we're currently in called Shaking the Family Tree. And I'm really excited about it today and where we're headed today, not only because of the message, but who is delivering the message and the thought for today, which I'm going to tell you a little bit more about later on. But before we actually get to that, I want to tell you just a few of the things that are happening in our community. And I don't know if you noticed today when you actually walked in, but we have coffee back in the mornings. And so, yeah, we can give a hand to that. And so I'm so incredibly grateful for Suzanne Martinez and her team that have actually done this. We did sort of a soft launch the last couple of weeks, and they've been able to bring this all together. And at least for me growing up in church, just walking into the building, there was always that aroma of coffee. And so it's sort of like uh, one more step towards normalcy. And something that I did notice last week is that there were less people falling asleep when I was talking during the message. And so I'm incredible. So yay for coffee, right? But at the same time, I also, as reflecting on this this past week, was I've been so incredibly grateful for all of our volunteers and every single one of our leaders because it has not been an easy year. But at the same time, your faithfulness, your commitment, the way that you have shown Jesus to people week in and week out has been so incredibly powerful. So to all of you volunteers, leaders, we want to say thank you so much. Can we give them a, actually, can we give them a hand? Hey, something else that I want to let you know about is happening in less than two weeks. One of my favorite events of the year and is the Hope Water Project 5K. And it's a great event. And you do not have to be a runner. I am not a runner. And my family and I will be there. But you can run. You can walk. You can jog. You can crawl. You can do whatever you want to get, a, to get through that 5K. And we're also going to be having something for the children as well. But this is the thing. This is the main point of what is happening. All of the proceeds go to providing clean water for the Pocahontas people in Western Kenya. Because if you know about the Pocot, when, uh, for the people in that region, when they do not have clean water, every single day what they have to do to get water is that so many of them have to walk for miles upon miles and spend hours every single day trying to get clean water. And so when they actually have a well in their village, children are able to go to school, women are able to be more present with their families. It is truly life-changing. And not only that, not only is it physically changing, but it it also provides an open door for us to enter in and communicate the life-transforming message of Jesus. And so we'd love for you to be a part of it as well as your family. Invite other people to be a part of it as well. And for more information and as well as to register, all you have to do is go to our website or you can go to our app as well. Also, something else I want to mention is happening on August 21st, and it's Rock Your Family. And this is an opportunity for families not only to connect with one another, especially after this past year, as well as most importantly to connect with God. And Steve and Paula Andrews, two of our co-founders, they're going to be there leading us in one of the sessions. And there is a ton of fun for the entire family, whether it's zip line, whether it's zip lining, whether it's rock climbing, whether it's um, activities out on the water, whatever it may be. And so we'd love for you to come to this this, invite others again to be a part of it as well. And for more information as well as to register, all you have to do is go to that website or you can go to the app as well. 
But as I mentioned, we are in the third week of our series, Shaking the Family Tree, and we have none other than Jalen Seawright with us here today. Can we give him a hand? And if you don't know who Jalen is, Jalen was on staff with us, but what he's doing right now, he's going to give you a little bit more of an update, but he is a powerful communicator. He is a great, great leader, a good friend of mine and our community, and so I am so excited that he is here. And to really set us up for today, because in this series is really based upon a genealogy that's found in the very first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, actually in the very first chapter, and we've been looking at various characters in this. And so we are going to be continuing that journey today. And to really set it up, Cameron and the band are going to lead us in a song. And so let's sit back and let's take this song in together. Baby, you understand me now. Sometimes you see that I'm mad. Don't you know no one in life can always be an angel? Everything goes wrong, you see, so bad. But I'm just a soul whose intentions are good. Oh, Lord, please don't let me be misunderstood. Don't let me. Misunderstood. Don't let me be misunderstood. You know, sometimes, baby, I'm so carefree. The joy is hard to hide. Then sometimes again, it all. We can give Cameron one more hand on that one. You know, I am so grateful to be here with you all today. It feels like it's been way too long, but I'm grateful to be back. I was honestly excited when 
Andrew and Danny reached out to me and said, hey, would you come back and speak? Any chance I get to be with my Kensington family, I'm excited to be here, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, but I know uh, we've been in a series together for the past couple of weeks. And on the last week, Andrew taught on the person of Rahab. And Rahab, is, it's a great, interesting story. It's one of those reads that'll leave you on the edge of your seat. But Rahab basically was a harlot, uh, a woman of the night, you could say. But God used her in a profound way to actually hide two Israelite spies as they were coming in and planning to lay siege to the city of Jericho on behalf of the people of Israel. Well, while we're in this series called Shaking Up the Family Tree, I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach to this series. And I really want to look at the idea and the truth that God continues and always uses people like you and me, messed up and broken people to accomplish his mission. And I believe one of the best places to look to see how God does this is found in Matthew, the first chapter, the genealogy of Jesus. Now, if any one of you have ever read the genealogy of Jesus, then you know just how interesting it is not. Like literally, if you ever want to fall asleep, I then go and open up Matthew chapter one and I read the genealogy of Jesus and I'm out like that. But honestly, I really do believe that when we dive deeper into it, we then get some things that really help us to understand the way that God operates. But before we jump into that, I want to tell you all a little story about my journey to coming on staff with Kensington. But I need to give it a little context first. So many of you all know already that I grew up and I was raised in Pontiac, Michigan, not too far from here. And uh, I went to actually, I did school of choice. My parents had us in Waterford schools at the time. So I did elementary school in Waterford and middle school. And then my parents moved us out to Oxford. Now that was where I finished high school in Oxford. Now, if you ask my mother, what kind of student was Jalen in grade school? She would likely hang her head and shake it. I was a horrible student, horrible student. I love to make people laugh, so I was, like, known as the class clown. I never paid attention in school. I uh, would give the teachers so much grief because they knew my potential. I would do things like wait until the last week of the semester and go and dig way down in my backpack and find all the crumbled up missing assignments that were in there and try to do them really fast and then try to sweet talk my teacher into allowing me to turn them in for partial credit. Like, that was the kind of student I was. I was a horrible, horrible student. I gave my parents so much grief when it came to my grades. Now, I wish that I could say I then graduated high school, went on to college, and became a great student, figured out a way to do it. But that wouldn't be true. I actually graduated high school with like a, I think it was a 2.2 GPA, 2.3 GPA, extremely impressive, right? 
And uh, yeah, I graduated with that, and I went on to college, and I got into Rochester College right down the street, not far from here. Any Rochester College people in here? Nope, none. That shows you how big the school is. So anyways, oh, I see one. Okay, here we got one, one. But anyways, went to Rochester College. Now, I didn't get into Rochester College because my grades were great. I got into Rochester College because I could sing pretty well. And they had an a cappella group and an a cappella chorus that I auditioned and was able to be part of. And even in college, I did the bare minimum that I had to do in order to remain eligible to be in those two groups. Like, I was still not going to class at times. I wasn't turning in assignments. And my professors were so compassionate. And they believed in me so much that they would take me to lunch and take me to dinner. And they would invite me into their home trying to convince me to fulfill the potential that they knew I had. But it was all in vain because I never figured it out. And I remember I had a come-to-Jesus moment with my dean. Now, she has no clue exactly how pivotal she has been in my life. That moment was like a defining moment. She sits me down and she says to me, she says, Jalen, you are so talented and you're so gifted and passionate about uh, about some things. Why don't you go take the time to pursue the things you're passionate about and school will always be here. You can come back and, and finish later on. So after five plus years of trying the college thing, I dropped out. Now, I would love to tell you that I went and pursued my passions, figured it out, and then came back to school, got my bachelor's degree, but that also would not be true. To this day, I'm Jalen, and I dropped out of college. That is my story. I struggled with whether I wanted to share that with you all today or not because it's a sensitive point for me. It was in that moment and that experience, my grade school and college experience, that really began uh, where I began to believe some of the lies that I believe the enemy placed in my head about who I was and what I could become. So fast forward just a couple of years post-college. I'm married at this point, and uh, I had found a little bit of success in music, at least enough to pay my bills. And uh, I, one of the things I was doing was I was playing from time to time. I play keys or sing at Kensington's Orion campus. Now, when I did that, Kensington was in a season where they were restructuring and reorganizing their arts department, and they had created these positions called the Worship Arts Director. And so a few people, once they opened the position, a few people from staff came to me and said, hey, we think you'd be great for one of these positions that are opening up at all of our campuses. You should send your resume in and apply. So after hearing more about it, I got excited about it. And I ended up going to the Kensington Church website, looked at where they had posted the jobs, pulled up the job description, and right at the top it says requirements, bachelor's degree or higher. I was immediately discouraged I was like, I'm already not qualified for this job. But then after a few months of my family and friends encouraging me to send my resume in, I sent my resume in. Sent my resume in, and at this time, there was only one campus looking, still looking for a worship arts director. They called me, and they said, hey, we'd like to start the interview process. I went into it knowing that I wasn't qualified for the job. But they interviewed me for what felt like a long time, but it was a couple of months, 
and the interview process, and then they came to me and they said, you know what, we want to keep looking for someone else. And they passed on me. Now, it was right in this moment that it solidified those lies that I had begun to believe post-college. I immediately, from that moment, believed that I was underqualified, too undereducated, and too inexperienced to be able to step into the calling that I felt God had on my life. It wasn't that the interview process was bad or that they weren't justified in their decision. It was simply that some of the past experience that I had ended up allowing me to come to this moment and believe that I would never be enough to fulfill what I believe God had called me to. Now, I know I'm not the only person in this room who have had moments in life where you felt disqualified. I know I'm not the only person in this room who have succumbed to the pain and the weight of fear, guilt, and shame. I know I'm not the only person in this room who has had moments where you've counted yourself out just simply based on the hang-ups and the hurts and the mess-ups and the screw-ups that you have been a part of. I know I'm not the only person in this room who sometimes gives in to the insecurities that they have and counts themselves out of opportunities that are coming their way. But I believe that the Word of God gives us freedom from a lot of the things that disqualify us. I also believe that the Word of God gives us permission to fully step in and embrace the calling that God has on each and every one of our lives. I think it's simply possible because of the immense and boundless love of Jesus Christ. I think one of the first places we can look for access to this freedom is actually found in Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy of Jesus. And so since I'm only about 10 minutes into this talk, I don't want to read it for you because you all might fall asleep and I'll lose you from here on out. So we brought along a friend who might be able to have a, a better, do a better job of reading the genealogy of Jesus. But before we get there, I want to take this moment to take our offering. Now, if you're new here or you're, you call this community home, this may not be your moment or it could be whatever God is calling you to. But if you call this church home, and if you are on mission with Kensington and all the things that God has called this community to, this is your moment to, in, a tangibly, in a very tangible way to support the mission that Jesus is doing through this community. There are multiple ways you can give. You can give online. You can text the number on the screen. You can also give in the buckets in the back. But we totally appreciate your generosity and you stepping in to supporting all the things that God has called us to here at Kensington. But like I said, we've got a friend, Pistons All-Star, Rick Mahorn, who's going to read the genealogy to you all now. Check this video out. Hey, Kensington, this is Rick Mahorn. And I'm going to read you something really exciting. Here we go. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Herzan, Herzan the father of Ram, Ram the father of 
Amadea, Amadot, sorry. Should I keep going? Okay. Amadad, the father of Nishom, Nishom, the father of Solomon, Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rehab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, Solomon, the father of Rehoboth. That's it. Hope I was right. Now that we know, and it doesn't matter who reads it, it's no more interesting. But I really do believe that there's something for us here. I promise. I won't bore you all to death. But when you really jump in and you study the genealogy of Jesus, you can tell right in Matthew chapter 1, that this is divided, the genealogy is divided into three separate sections of 14 names each. The first section are the patriarchs. Now, these are the men that God the Father had promised to them, that their seed, their offsprings, their heirs would provide great blessing to the entire earth. These are people like Abraham, who was promised that his sons would number just like the sand on the seashore, they would be so great. The next group of people that you see are the kings. Now, the kings were the political leaders of the people of Israel. They were God's chosen leaders of the nation. One of the most celebrated kings of all time when it, comes to the, is, when it comes to the people of Israel is King David. King David was known as a man after God's own heart. But in this list of kings, only two of them were ever declared righteous by God. This shows us that even God's chosen king, Ben, in their brokenness, still could not perfectly lead a people to God. The next group, the third and last group of people that are listed in the genealogy are the people that I would title as unknown. Now, these are people that you and I might relate to most. They weren't spiritual leaders like the patriarchs. They weren't political leaders like the kings, but they were people, just normal people like you and I. People who don't really seem that significant in the biblical narrative. Some of them you, don't, you only see mentioned here. Others of them are briefly mentioned in the story. But these were people who did not necessarily have much, but still they play a role, a large role, in the genealogy of Jesus. Now, at this time, this was a patriarchal society, meaning that men dominated the culture. And women were sadly considered second-class citizens. But Matthew, when he was writing this, he knew the context which he was writing in. But he still chose to include five women when naming the genealogy of Jesus. The first woman we run into is a woman named Tamar. Her story is full of scandal, Full of scandal. Honestly, if we were going to dive deep into our story, we'd need a few days for you all to be able to really wrap your head around just how scandalous this story was. 
But basically, she had married two of Judah's sons, and both of those sons were considered evil, and God killed them. And basically, Judah who had lost these two sons after they were married to Tamar, was scared and did not offer up his third son as a husband to Tamar. And because of that, which was her right, he got scared and told her to go away, basically, and promised her that he would come back and talk to her And when his son became of age, but it wasn't the case. He never intended to do that. So she concealed herself as a harlot or a woman of the night, and she got her offspring by tricking Judah. That is a crazy and scandalous story, yet her name is in and found in the genealogy of Jesus. The next woman is who we learned about last week, Rahab. And like I said earlier, she concealed and hid two spies, uh, two Israelite spies who were getting ready to prepare to lay siege to the city of Jericho. She was also known as a harlot or woman of the night. The next woman that we see listed is a hero in the Bible. If you, probably one of the most well-known women in the Bible, Ruth. Her story is not only inspiring, but also challenging. She faced great odds. And the way that God uses her story to speak to us is profound. But Ruth was a Moabite, meaning that she was not of the chosen race of Israel. She was not God's chosen. She belonged to a completely different people group. She was in the margins. She was a marginalized woman. The next woman that we run into is Bathsheba, only mentioned as Uriah's wife, who also was likely not an Israelite because her husband Uriah was a Hittite. We know her best because King David, in one of his lowest moments in Scripture, took advantage of her. And her story and her image would be tainted throughout the rest of the biblical narrative. And the final woman that is listed in the genealogy is none other than Mary, the mother of Jesus, whose own purity was called into question as well because of the miraculous and misunderstood way that she conceived the Christ child. Now, I want to pause here for a moment and give us a little context about this society. Now, the Bible was written... Over 3,000 years ago, it began to be written. And literally, over 3,000 over 3, years later, today, if we are honest, even in our country, women still have to be concerned about the negative impact that a male-dominated society will have on their lives. There are women in our country who are still fighting for things like equal pay and equal opportunity in the workplace. There are women sitting here in the seats or watching on stream who work great jobs Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, going into the office day in and day out to be mistreated and harassed by men in the workplace, only to go home. And some even suffer more abuse at the hands of the man who pledged to love them best. I want to speak to the men in the room in this moment. Men, if we are not committed to creating equity 
in our society and not just doing the cliche of protecting and loving women. If we aren't using our power and privilege that we have in this male-dominated society to uplift and build up women and give them a platform, distribute the power that we have to create equity between us, we are not living the gospel. This is not the truth that Jesus has. If you're struggling with something I'm saying in this moment, I want to take you straight to Scripture. Galatians 3. 26 through 28 says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If we don't learn anything else today, I want us to know this, that in just a simple reading of the genealogy of Jesus, you will see that these five brave and daring women are the only reason why we have hope. Why? Because without these women, there would be no incarnate Jesus. There would no, be no Jesus made flesh. This is the beauty of the gospel that God uses people in that time who were considered second-class citizens to accomplish his mission and his vision, to save the entire world. If that's not good news, I don't know what is. Amen? This is what Jesus does. Now, we all must be committed and continue to work towards equity in our society. Equity among men and women, among white and black and Asian and Hispanic and so on and so forth. No matter what race, gender, or culture you come from, I want everyone in this room and everyone watching on stream to know this one thing. God has placed an inherent value on your life. Inherent meaning nothing, no part of it can be diminished. No part of it can be shifted. It can never be taken away. God has placed value on you. Why? Simply because Jesus says so. Because he, being rich in love and mercy, he went to the cross for you and I. And I want you to know that at the end of the day, each and every one of us, no matter where we come from, no matter what we've done, no matter our shortcomings or what we feel disqualifies us, we are loved by Jesus. You are loved and you are chosen. I'll say it again. You are loved and you are chosen. Let me show you in Scripture just how valuable you are. We see in the book of Luke, starting in chapter 12, starting at verse 6, it says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. Now, you may be listening to me today and sitting there or watching on stream saying, Jalen, I hear you. But you just don't know. You don't know my story. You don't know just how disqualified I am. You don't know the things I've done, the places I've been. I am not worthy. 
I'm not worthy. I hear what you're saying. It sounds great, but you just don't know me. Well, I want to encourage you just for a moment. If we were to take every person that has ever lived and every person that is living now and every person that will ever live and line them all up, we will quickly find that no, not one, is worthy. None of us are worthy. But like I said before, God being rich in love and being rich in mercy, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, our stories, they're validated. Our mess-ups, our sins, our screw-ups, they are redeemed. And all of our weaknesses, every place that we feel disqualified in, in our weakness, he is made strong. The Lord loves you. He has placed immense value on your life, and he has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. What the genealogy teaches us here in Matthew is that Christ loves to use the broken, messed up people here in this world like you and me to accomplish his mission. This is the beauty of the gospel. If you don't hear anything else today, you need to know that you are loved and you are chosen. You are loved and you are chosen. Now, in the midst of all of this, we hear and we understand just how valuable we are. We understand just how much Jesus loves each and every one of us. Paul says in Romans as well, he says, does this mean that because grace abounds, we can just keep on doing whatever we'd like to do, keep on messing up, and everything's okay? Well, Paul says, of course not. Of course we can't. Why? Because when we understand the value that God has placed on our lives, we begin to walk in that value. We begin to pursue lives where we honor the call that God has placed on our life. Now, this does not mean we don't mess up. This does not mean that we all of a sudden become perfect. I mess up every day. I mess up every day. I have impure thoughts at times. I say mean things to people on Facebook and Instagram. I mess up all the time, just like you do. But the beauty of the gospel is, is that the grace is constantly working and purifying each and every one of us. Romans chapter 12 tells us that we should present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable worship. We are called to live in the standard of the value that God has called each and every one of us to. My wife and I, we're raising two little girls right now, Carrington and Cadence. Carrington is our oldest. She's three. And right now, she's struggling to grasp what the definition of a mistake is. If you're raising toddlers or have raised toddlers, then you probably know what I'm talking about. But Carrington will do things like push her little sister and then look up at me and say, sorry, it was a mistake. Carrington will also do things like figure out how to pull the stool up to the cabinet and be able to reach up where my fruit snacks are. I love fruit snacks. Like, I don't want nobody messing with my fruit snacks. And she will eat my fruit snacks, and when she's caught red-handed, she says, oh, daddy, I'm sorry, it was a mistake. 
And so I am not like Jesus, so I'm not rich in the grace sometimes for her. But honestly, the thing is, it's like I think we can look at kids sometimes and we see ourselves just in a different context. There are so many times where I intentionally go and do things that I know I'm not supposed to be doing and say, oh, it was a mistake. There are times for all of us, and I know I'm not the only one, but we must pursue and live lives that God has called us to based on the value that he has placed on us. You know, it was just a couple months after Kensington had told me no about the worship arts director job that I got a call from a guy y'all might know. His name is Danny Cox. And Danny Cox gave me a call and he said, hey, Jalen, I just wonder if you would come in and meet with me. So I came in right upstairs, sat on his couch in his office, and I was expecting him to ask me to come in and record keys or maybe some vocals on, like, In All Things Part 2 or something. But the thing is, is he sat down, and when he was talking to me, he then said, hey, God is doing some things, and he's moving some things around, and we're actually going to have a worship arts director position open up. And I was wondering, would you interview for it. Well, I'd already bought into the lie that I was disqualified, too undereducated, and too inexperienced to be able to step into that job. I felt like that I had counted myself out because of the mistakes and the screw-ups that I had made. But Danny saw, like any great leader would, he saw my hesitation and instead he led and said, well, why don't you just come out and lead worship on a midweek? So I came out on a Wednesday night, led worship on a midweek. And then later on that July of 2017, I became the worship arts director here at the Troy campus. My time on staff here at Kensington gave me all the tools that I needed to step into where I am now. If I would have let the fear of stepping into where I thought I was disqualified, if I would have let the shame that I had of how I performed in school control me, I would have never stepped into that moment in time that God had designed for me to pursue all that he had called me to be. I would never have surrounded myself with amazing leaders like Danny and Andrew and Steve Andrews and Dave Wilson and Mark Nelson. I would have never had access to the gold mine of wisdom that was here in this place because I would have counted myself out. Now, you may be listening to my story and you say, Jalen, that's not even half as traumatic as the places and the things that I've been brought through. Or you might be listening and saying, I resonate with that. But no matter where you are in your story, I want to encourage you today and let you know that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Nothing disqualifies you from the plan that he has for your life. There is nothing too far and nothing, nothing went too far where it cannot be redeemed. The Lord loves you. And he has chosen you for a purpose that only you can fulfill. I want to talk to the young people in here today. If you're like me and you've been discouraged, if you're like me and you've been walking through and you're trying to figure out what adulting is, you're trying to figure out really how to find your place and your purpose in life, 
So many doors have been closed in your face from time to time, from time and time on. And you just are too scared to try to put yourself out there again. I want to encourage you and say that if God goes before you, who can be against you? If you place Jesus at the helm, this is the beauty of the gospel, is that he loves you so much that every place you're disqualified and unworthy, he redeems because of his blood and the sacrifice that he gave on the cross. You are loved and you are chosen. That is the good news. I think we need to celebrate that in this place today. We're getting ready to step into a moment where we're going to remember. On your way in, you received a communion cup. And if you did not receive one, raise your hand and an usher will be more than happy to bring you one. But this is a moment where we can remember what the sacrifice and the gift of the cross does for each and every one of us. This is a time where we can realize how this value was placed on each and every one of us. Now, we are going to take this on our own time because some of us may need to sit here and reflect. Some of us may need to have a real and honest conversation with Jesus where you say, I hear this, I don't feel it. And I'm praying that the Lord continues to bathe you in his love, letting you know that he has redeemed you from the pit, as Scripture says. Now, as we take this communion, I want us to remember what the sacrifice of Jesus is all about, that he died for each and every one of us. And as we're taking this, Audrey and the team are going to lead us in a song called Brokenness Aside. And the song simply says, I'm messed up. Every time I try to do right, I mess up. But somehow, in a miraculous way, you take all of my brokenness and you make something beautiful out of it. And so I want us to take this moment in and take this song in and allow the Lord to speak to us wherever we are, wherever we're at in our journey and our story. And when you're ready, I want you to take communion and remember the sacrifice that Jesus paid for you and I. This is the hope that we all have through the gospel. And I hope we're able to lean into that today. Let's take this moment in.
God, I thank you that you do the impossible. God, I thank you that you use people like us, broken, messed up people, to accomplish your mission. Lord, I thank you for your redemption, and I ultimately thank you for the sacrifice of your son. And Lord, I just pray, I pray right now that each and every person in this room feels overwhelmed by your amazing and immense and profound love for them. I pray that they feel it on their drive home, on their way to work this week, wherever they go. I pray that for all the people watching on stream, I pray that they feel your love wherever they are in this moment. And I pray for any of those people who feel like they're just not enough, they're not worthy, they're too messed up, they're too far gone. I pray that you show them that you use all kinds of broken people to accomplish your mission. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for the hope that we have only through Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray, we said together, amen. Well, I want to invite you all to stand in this moment because we're going to sing a song together. We're going to respond to today by basically singing a song called Run to the Father, where what we're going to do is posture our hearts in a way where we can say, like, Lord, we know where you've brought us from, and we know the work that you're continuing to do in our lives. And no matter what, we want to just keep running towards you again and again and again. We fall down, we mess up, we get set back. We want to pick ourselves up and run to you again and again and again. That is the heart of this whole dance that we do in our faith, is that we are constantly being renewed day in and day out to follow Jesus more closely. Let's sing this song together. Let's posture our hearts in a way where we're running to the Father. Amen.
great, great way to end our day today. Hey, can we give Jalen Seawright another hand, everybody? Thanks, Jalen, for being with us today. A couple things that I want to remind all of us of before we leave today is that if anybody would like to receive prayer, somebody to pray with them, our prayer team will be down front. And also, if you are a guest with us, if you are relatively new to this community, we would love to meet you, answer any questions that you may have. So we'd love for you to drop by a place that we call The Hub, which is right out in the lobby. You'll see people with orange shirts on out there. But thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for joining us via stream. Have a great rest of your weekend, everyone. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.